1: Ben Jurowski Show for this Tuesday, June 6th starts now. Returning to The Ben Jurowski Show, you may know him as that two wheel transportation safety guru, Mr. Bike, or maybe you just know him as Dave from Inside Chicago Government. We've got Dave Glowatz. The Ben Jurowski Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. If you like Ben Jarofsky, he's over there. Just head to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-8. V as in victory. S-K-Y.
2: Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Bear Down Tuesday, and here's why. Bears made up. Power move, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, those Chicago Bears. I just got a huge smile on my face. I've been watching the machinations of the Chicago Bears over the last, I don't know it seems like about. It's almost two years as they've tried to play one suburb against the city of Chicago, and now one suburb versus another suburb to try to get some collection of suckers and saps to cover the cost of the stadium. A stadium, by the way, they have not earned by their play in the field. And this is a point, I believe I am the only man in captivity, to quote or paraphrase the great Harold Washington, who makes this point. But I subscribe to the notion that if uh, we are going to be true to our values, then we should believe in a meritocracy. And the Bears are run by a family of the McCaskies who are Republicans. They've always been Republicans, giving money to Republicans. They, haven't, they didn't break from the Republicans even when MAGA and Trump took over the Republicans. So as a Republican, you believe in meritocracy. As a Republican, you believe you only get what you earn. And if that's the case, the Bears have earned a zero because they put out the worst product pound for pound in the NFL. I know some Bear fans. As soon as they hear this, go, Ben, actually, I've done this number crunching. And the uh, San Diego Chargers. I just made it up. There's not even a San Diego Chargers. You know, you always get a, an argument from a sports fan. They just, they are a very argumentative bunch. I understand. I'm cut kind of from the center. Anyway, so the Bears are playing Arlington Heights off against the city of Chicago. They bought the, the Arlington racetrack. They got a demolition permit to tear down the Arlington racetrack. For all I know, as we speak, they are tearing it down. And all of a sudden, there was like a hiccup in negotiations with Arlington Heights. And, and they make it clear. This is how the Bears' propaganda works. They've already leaked to certain journalists that it's not the officials of Arlington Heights that they have a problem with. It's the school officials. <laughs> All those school chieftains looking out for money for the kitties. So what the Bears are looking for is a property tax break on their uh, new stadium that they're going to build at Arlington they want to build or propose to build in Arlington Heights. And the school districts in that area are balking. Meanwhile, there's a movement. The Bears never pay attention to this, a movement afoot by the right-wing Coach Brothers, Koch brothers crowd. I had him on the show, by the way. Androski Show reached out to the Koch brothers, uh, to not to pass a referendum not giving in uh, which the voters of Arlington Heights would command their leaders not to give a nickel to the Bears. So there's all kinds of issues and tensions in Arlington Heights. The school board is saying, no, 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 you gotta pay more property taxes than you're offering to pay. That's ridiculous. Uh, and the right wingers, the libertarians are saying, no, 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 no. We agree with the the hippie guy in the attic on the microphone that you don't you don't you have not earned the right and you shouldn't get one anyway for a handout. So what do the bears do? They think they're <laughs> they go to Naperville. And it's some chump mayor of Naperville. I don't even know the dude's name. They're like, yeah, we'll take you <laughs> like Naperville. I'm just going to put this out to you. Naperville. And I really don't know Naperville that well. I've been to Naperville. Okay, I know, I know where it is. It's in DuPage County. I've been there. you got a nice suburb. Every year you're ranked like at the top of like suburb, suburbs. You know, what a great place to live. What a great place to raise your kids. What great school systems we have. What a great park district we have. You know, this is like Pleasant Valley Sunday, to quote one of Dave Glowatts' favorite songs from the 60s. Charcoal's burning everywhere, to further quote the song that Dave loves so much. And why would you like jeopardize that? Why would you try to cut a deal with the Chicago Bears? What more can you get? You already have one of the most livable suburbs in the universe. It's Pleasant Valley Sunday, charcoals burning everywhere. Why would you want more? No, why would you want anything other than what you already have? What would the Bears give you that you don't have? Traffic jams. Increase security costs because you have to pay to police the place. Increase fire costs because you have to pay to like protect it against fire. You don't even you haven't even <laughs> you haven't even played your card as to where the Bears Stadium would go. So already you're like irritating your residents there. Like, there's no transparency whatsoever. All of a sudden, wait, you have vacant land that you're going to offer to Bears. Where is it? Put aside the transparency argument for the moment. What could you possibly get from life that you don't already enjoy? You already have one of the most enjoyable, according to all the suburban studies, suburbs around. I'm going to read to you an excerpt uh, from an article that ran in the Atlantic a few years ago. It was quoted by the great Rick Tallender of the Sun-Times. Oh, if Rick Tallender was only reporting every day on Chicago politics, I think sometimes the only Mainstream journalist with common sense, Rick Tallender, who's against the Olympics as well. Uh, And he's talking, how good is a stadium for any town or region that wants one not very? History has proved this. All those created jobs and opportunities are mostly hooey. I could explain in depth, but take this from a 2018 research article in The Atlantic with the headline, sports stadiums are a bad deal for cities. Quote, imagine a stadium as a giant drain. Money flows from the community into the stadium while it whirls around for a bit, then funnels down some murky pipes exiting far, far away. Yes, we all know that. We're still paying here in the city of Chicago the cost of outfitting Soldier Field for the Bears from like 2003. That's not good enough. They're going to go to Arlington Heights. That's not good enough. Now they're going to propose going to Naperville. And the doofuses who run Naperville are like, yeah, yeah. Use us as suckers and saps to try to squeeze some money out of Arlington Heights. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bears on the field are awful. All right, without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to David Koloadz. Not a Bears fan, not a sports fan in particular, except for bicycle riding. But he's a brilliant and insightful analyst of the Chicago City Council. Uh, and he's the publisher of Inside Chicago Government. And once a month or so, he comes on this show. Uh, with clips from city council meetings, which we break down and analyze, and for which, I'm going to brag, we were the recipients of a LISICOR award this year. So, Dave Glowatz, congratulations on the outstanding work you've done uh, in collaboration with the Ben Jarofsky Show.
3: Thank you very much, and congratulations to you, too. Yes. I've seen you, um, <clears throat> you've made sure the world knows about it on Instagram, at least the yes. Instagram world. Yeah, and so,
2: uh, that's what drew Dave to Instagram, We'll not go down this path. <laughs> but Dave Kloatz, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going uh, to reveal some inside scoop. When I approached Dave about, are you on Instagram or are you on social media? He goes, Ben, come on. It's important for that. And then all of a sudden, I saw you open an account. I forget what you called it. But you, there's, it's on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen, which is a, a social media site for pictures. There's no photos on it. Anyway, welcome to Instagram, young man, and welcome back to the show. I know you have a lot of goodies, so take it away, Dave, go ahead.
3: And uh, just for the record, I, I don't use bicycling as a sport, though uh, many are attracted to, it, attracted to it for that reason. It's more of a, um, it's transportation for Mr. Bike.
2: I sit corrected.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, today we're talking about the full Chicago City Council meetings that occurred in May. One occurred on May 24 and another on May 31. These were the first meetings of Mayor Brandon Johnson and about a dozen newly elected aldermen. We'll first hear excerpts from the May 24 meeting. Chris, please, we'll do WAG first. Let's go back to March 30, before the election of Brandon Johnson. The City Council passed its quote, independent unquote committee structure, which expanded the number of committees from 19 to 28 and named the chair for each committee. That latter was done for the first time in anyone's memory, reportedly without input from the mayor, who was then Lori Lightfoot. On May 12, Mayor-elect Johnson announced his proposed slate of 20 committees, plus the associated chairs. The corresponding City Council resolution, record R2023-759, was introduced, according to council records on May 24th, the same date as the council meeting. That resolution changed many of the committee chairs, notably it named Third Ward Alderman Pat Dowell the chair of the powerful finance committee and it left the existing finance chair, 32nd, 32nd Ward Alderman Scott Wagsback, chairing no committee. We're gonna hear a couple of clips of Alderman's reactions to this restructuring. And this first clip is simply the comments of Alderman Wegespeck. Let's listen.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. Look forward to saying that a few more times. Mr. President, four years ago, I was humbled to accept the leadership of the Finance Committee in the aftermath of one of the biggest machine corruption scandals in recent history. And with my staff, I immediately worked to restore trust in that office and ensure ongoing investigations had access to information they needed in the process of seeking justice, accountability, and transparency for the Committee on Finance. So, working together with the city finance and budget teams, I'm proud that we had built a fiscal stability in the city not seen in years, leading to 13 credit rating upgrades and three positive outlooks since August 2022. Now, since my election in 2007, I've always been an insistent voice for Aldermanic independence from my early resistance to the parking meter deal, to the crafting of a plan for independent selection of city council committee chairs just last month, and at countless points along the way. I will continue to serve as a voice for integrity, independence and reform in this city council, as I always have, and I hope to forge a productive working relationship with the new administration. I also wish uh, to uh, congratulate my longtime colleague, Chairwoman Pat Dowell, as she takes on the helm of the Committee on Finance. And I wish her all the best as she moves forward with the work of that committee. I also wanna thank Mayor Lightfoot uh, for trusting me to clean up this Committee on Finance in a pivotal moment. I thank CFO Jenny Bennett, Budget Director Susie Park, and Comptroller Reshma Soni for their steadfast partnership in getting our municipal financial situation on a firm footing. And above all, I wanna thank my staff um, for all their hard work and dedication to work on these four fiscally responsible budgets over the last four years. We implemented workers' compensation reform, ensured smooth facilitation of the city's small claims program, and together we effectuated municipal depository reform with all of you, developed and passed new protections for families of first responders lost to suicide, and divested city pension funds from fossil fuel investments, among many other things. We've also ensured the approval of hundreds of millions of dollars in tax increment financing for parks and for Chicago Public Schools over the last four years, and hundreds of millions in financing for affordable housing in wards throughout the city. I also wanna thank the IGA staff for their work over the last four years, the rules committee staff, all the committee staff that are continuing their work now, as well as the council police officers and all the staff who've helped guide us And provide assistance whenever necessary to help us all do a better job each day. So for now, I do. I want to leave this role as Committee on Finance Chair with incredible pride for all of our collective achievements, both in terms of good government as well as progress on sound financial policy.
3: A couple things there have been. One is um, Alderman Wagaspak mentioned an acronym IGA, which stands for Intergovernmental Affairs. That's a section of the Mayor's Office that works as liaisons to not only city council members, but other city departments. And they're uh, kind of instrumental in carrying the um, wishes, if you will, or the uh, uh, intentions of the mayor to the council, especially in terms of legislation. Another thing is you asked me a while back whether at the end of that little speech, whether Wagespeck got uh, applause or even a standing ovation, and I can confirm that he did not. There were standing ovations later for other people who were being appointed. But I did notice that the alderman sitting next to Wagespeck towards the end of his speech were wiping their cheeks as if they were wiping tears away. And I couldn't really tell if they were crying. And can you guess who that was?
2: The, the alderman sitting next to Scott Wagg- back would have been uh-huh. 33rd Ward Alderman Rosanna Rodriguez.
3: That's correct, Senator. Oh, God. Like, so it, what? So it, well, 32, 33. Yeah. Oh,
5: you're uh, just going
2: to undercut that, huh? You're just going to throw that <laughs> away,
5: huh? God, yeah, okay. that's, the, that's
2: the story of me in school. They always move the goalpost. Oh, you know they ask the question, get it right, so say good job. They go, well, you know,
3: it would have been more challenging uh, if they had used the pandemic era seating because they were scattered all over the place. They weren't in no matter order.
2: Or let's—I'm going to really throw a curveball at you, young man. Back in the day, the finance chair got a special little seat that wasn't was out of order. It was like in the front row. Think about this person's so important, we're going to move him out of his ordinary seat. I think Burke had that. It's
3: kind of like seven or something like that.
2: Yeah, it was like, it was like confusing, you know, for like those of us who are just really literal minded. Like, wait, it's one, two, three, four. What is Burke 14 doing where five should be? Anyway, I'm sorry, we went far afield. My humblest apologies.
3: So, yeah, that's uh, Alderman Wagesbeck being, what, humble and accepting inevitability? Because right. they had not yet voted on the uh, yeah. council restructuring.
2: Well, I guess he figured the, the numbers there. So let me just say this about young know, Scott wagersback I wrote a column to this effect. I don't know if it's dropped yet for the reader. That's what they call the high road, ladies and gentlemen, what Scott wagersback just did. Uh, and uh, he didn't take that moment to bash those uh, who undercut him. He didn't take that moment to say to protect gloom and doom for the city. Other aldermen have done that, by the way. You know they didn't get their way. Uh, I think Anthony Beal at one point was like, "Ah, they're gonna mess this whole thing up. You just wait." Certain, there's certain. It's just like there's a certain strain in Chicago when you lose. You go, "They're gonna screw it up." He didn't do anything. He took the high road. He congratulated Pat Dowell. Uh I I put in the, maybe
3: caused a few tears to be shed. Who knows?
2: Yes. Either that or allergies.
3: But I will (laughs) uh, –
2: the reality is, I put this in the column, Scott Wagesbeck is arguably the greatest finance chair of the last 70 years. Now, I know what you're about to say, Dave. I know you're going to say, but Ben, the bar is low. You're right. One finance chair for like the last 50 years was Ed Burke, who's now uh, under federal indictment and used his position of authority, clout, and power to uh, allegedly uh, arm twist city contractors or TIF, people looking for TIF handouts uh, and to hire his property tax appeal firm. So yes, the bar is low there. And then before him, as Dave Glotz can tell you, back in the 60s uh, and early 70s, the finance chair was Tom Keane, who uh, went to uh, the slammer uh, for some corruption charge having to do with land sales. And I can't remember it at the moment.
3: I believe it was federal.
2: It was federal, yes. Of course it was federal. You think Cook County's going to indict <laughs> him? I see nothing. Has, uh, uh,
3: what? Corruption? Where? So ha- that's a trivia question for 10 trivia points. Has any Chicago alderman been convicted in Cook County court? I don't know the answer to that. Uh,
2: well, uh, yes. Uh, Proko Joe Moreno. Was he? Uh, yeah. Was. Um, oh, right. Yeah, you know for sure, his was, drunk driving, and then it was what was the one where, a false,
3: false police report?
2: False police report, yeah, and uh, I don't know, but uh, so yeah,
3: that was that was a low hanging fruit, right there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but so Scotty back did a great job. So Scott, my hats off to you, and you did a great job. You took the high road at the end, and I applaud you for it. Uh, and um, hear the applause, yes. Uh, And now, as as regards to the standing ovation, there's a backstory there. So I was not at that meeting. I haven't been to a city council meeting since, God, I I can't remember the last one, a long time. Uh, But I watched it on, I was obsessively watching this meeting. uh, And it was the day of, uh, it was a Wednesday, so I had a show to do. So I had to cut off watching it, uh, Dave. And it was hard because I was really into it. I was watching it on the city clerk's website. You can watch city council meetings stream live on the website. Uh, and the way they film the, uh, the proceedings on the clerk's website, you cannot tell if someone gets a standing ovation because the camera is focused uh, on the, um, the speaker. And then as soon as the speaker is done speaking, the camera just goes fully to the mayor. So you don't know what the aldermen are doing, uh, and you can't hear it. Well, even if you could hear it, you wouldn't tell you if it was a standing ovation. So I immediately reached out to all my uh, sources, uh, which Dave Glow adds and make dumkey. I just revealed my sources. I go, did he get a standing ovation? And both of them said, "Ben, we're busy. We're doing real work. Okay, <laughs> we don't have time to know who get." There were a lot of. <laughs> i think mick in particular got in, 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 in.
3: It, by, to, to, i'm an it, important
2: man how can i know if he got i said studio? i did screw up
3: there actually because it would have been it's in my notes you know whenever there are applause i yeah. i write down applause and so i simply could have gone to my notes when you asked that question uh-huh.
2: I did, I didn't to do that sorry well you deprived me of an opportunity to have the following riff in my column which i'll now put on the microphone I wanted to know, did he get a standing O? Because I wanted to contrast it with Ed Burke, who did get a standing O. And further indication of... At his last meeting. At minute. his last meeting. What a weird city we ex- live in. As if you didn't know it already, people. Ed Burke, the man who is under federal indictment, the man who used to his authority to shake down vendors, allegedly, the man who ushered through all of the nonsensical, wasteful, stupid policies... That Mayor Daly and Mayor Rob cooked up, including selling the parking meters. The man who, in the nineteen eighties, was Donald Trump before Donald Trump, leading a, a racial insurrection against Harold Washington. The man who has done absolutely nothing. That you, I could argue, make this argument, and Raylo would come back with like the ordinance that uh, required sprinklers in uh, high rises. That's Raylo Raymond Lopez, Fifteenth Ward ed burke's greatest ally he surveyed 60 years of ed burke public service and he came up with an ordinance that would have passed if i were to finance chair <laughs> come on raylo you can do better than that i really tried ben i looked back at city council journals so look, the guy going, was
3: inspiring
2: enough <laughs> evidently it was hello raylo enough. Daily was for the ordinance it would have passed okay Mickey, the dog could have been finance chair, and it would have passed. Ruff, ruff. May she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. By a, a, a voice vote. Ruff, ruff. That's a bad joke. Anyway, so this guy got a standing ovation. Burke, why? I don't know. He gave him donuts? Mick Dumpke, who explains these things to me, is like, Ben, you got to understand. He takes every young alder thing that comes in under his wing and like shows them where the bathroom is gives them like like a binder like their own very personal binder that says city of chicago on it and like every now and then i don't know be, i think he even springs for donuts after that they're putty in his hands and they're so pre- you did you talk that, about please. Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez with a tear streak coming down her cheek cuz back was the only like non-corrupt finance chair we've ever had or, i should That's worth a couple tears how about the others? One donut, and they're like standing Yes.
3: It was a really oh, large binder. There's, You can see a photo of it at the Inside you... Chicago government website. So I go, Oh it. my got God. You give an alderman a binder, and that alderman is
2: yours for life. Well, it okay. depends on what's in the binder. <laughs> what's in the binder? A reminder <laughs> that Ed Burke has a property tax appeal.
6: <laughs> anyway, some city
2: you cheer the felon or the alleged felon. Careful. And yet nothing, nothing, silence. For the reformer who put us on the right path, you're a weird, twisted city, Chicago. That's all I'm going to say. Back to you, did.
3: Chris, please, we'll do unity next. Well, now listen to reactions from some other aldermen about Mayor Johnson's committee shakeup. This clip starts with 17th Ward Alderman David Moore. Let's listen.
0: I don't know what person or what committee or what body decided to pick these chairs and these vice chairs. But the 17th Ward's voice wasn't represented in it. The 17th Ward's voice wasn't called to meetings on that. And so with that said, I have to vote no and hoping that we can give everybody what everybody wants by making sure that we come back and start this process over. Alderman Lopez. This decision today, Mr. President, has bothered me because I believe in my heart that you should be a part of the solution, that you should be a part of creating the leadership team that's going to push your agenda forward. But when I see this three minutes into our meeting, when everyone else has been talking about what committees, what chairmen, what vice chairmen, and no one bothers to include my ward in the discussion, even to tell me to get bent, we have a problem. I cannot start the next four years being excluded or jumping to what many of my colleagues have tried to fix, which is putting an end to direct introductions that nobody has seen until the moment they're being voted on. We have talked about that ad nauseum. Whether you're progressive, whether you're an established, everyone's tired of direct introductions that nobody sees in legislature or even in in our own hands. We've asked for it to be 48 hours notice. Some of the same people pushing this forward who are listed as chairman have pushed that time and again. No more direct introductions that are written in secret. And yet here we are in secret on the 23rd and a half hour when we're going to approve this today. My colleague said to vote no. I would actually make the motion to lay this on the table until all individuals are able to participate in this conversation.
6: Thank you, Alderman. There's a motion on the floor to lay this item, this resolution on the table.
0: And I would ask for a roll call vote, please.
6: So just for clarity, if you vote yes, you wish to end our motion to establish a body of government committee assignments. If you vote no on this motion, You wish to make sure that we continue to establish committees so that the work of the people proceeds. There are 42 nays. There are eight yays. This motion fails. Alderman Gardner, do you still wish to speak? Yes.
5: We don't always agree, Alderman Lopez and Alderman Moore and I, but they are brave souls and they always, more often than not, speak the truth. They feel that their voice is not heard. 45th Ward feels the same way. By no means am I asking, I, I, I'm not seeking leadership, I, nor do I think that I have the knowledge or the, or the experience to do so as of yet. I, I still believe that I have a lot to learn in order to earn a leadership role. And those who have paid their dues and our leadership, I congratulate you, I commend you. Prior to this, we had a vote for an independent council on March 30th. We had 19 committees and, and we went to increase that to 28 some of which don't meet regularly at all, but yet we decided that we were gonna increase those committees to 28, to buy votes, as my colleague Alderman Moore correctly said, to buy votes. Again, I'm not saying that I am looking for any leadership, nor nor do I think that I deserve it. I think I have a lot to learn. I think a lot of people in this room have a lot to learn, but they're in leadership roles because they are in what we would call the in-crowd. But I didn't get in here, I didn't get into politics to be in the in-crowd. I thank you for calling on me, Jeff. I know you see me earlier. I wish you would have called on me earlier prior to the vote, but I appreciate the fact you give me an opportunity to speak because the 45th Ward feels as if our voices don't want to be heard. Alderman
1: Sposato. Last meeting, I got in a little bit of an ugly fight with a guy that I considered a friend for 12 years and was unfortunate, but I still consider him a friend. I hope he still considers me a friend. That was over my opposition to the independent committees. My problem with was I felt you, as the mayor, should have the choice to pick who you want, for the most part. But also, to me, seniority does mean something. We have many people here that claim they're big labor people. Seniority is everything in labor. I'm just baffled. Just baffled of the people that were the architects of the independent committees are now supporting this. Alderman Vasquez, I firmly believe that no matter what
0: the results of a committee would be, you would get the critique that someone was felt like they were kept out they weren't brought into the conversation. I do appreciate our colleagues emphasizing the importance of seniority. I think seniority matters a lot, but so does labor. And as we look at some of the committees that were existing prior with members who were senior, there were committees that didn't meet at all and had budgets and didn't get any of the work done. We're going to see going forward whether this committee makeup is one that's productive.
3: A couple technical things there that I want to point out, Uh, Alderman Lopez attempted to derail this vote by a a motion of what's called lay on the table. And on that particular motion, uh, it's very much uh, related to or similar to what we know as defer and publish, which when someone, when an alderman calls for that, that delays a motion till the next meeting, next scheduled meeting lay on the table is very similar it just it it defers it to an indefinite time and if um, the aldermen vote to affirm the motion to lay on the table that means that the motion kind of sits off in limbo until there's another vote to remove it to put it back on the table so it requires a couple of (laughs) votes but that motion failed yeah um, also, there towards the end, Alderman Gardner pointed out that he said, Jeff didn't call. He said, you didn't call on me, even though you saw me. And with, who he's re- uh, referring to was Deputy Corporation Counsel Jeff Levine, who I in the past have called the mayor whisperer because <laughs> he uh, sits he usually at council meetings during the Lightfoot administration and during the Mandel administration would sit on the tier below where the mayor sits and then when parliamentary uh, sort of uh, exceptions or uh, arcane uh, arc- Arcadia come up, he will walk up to the mayor and whisper in her ear and, or his ear and say what was going on. At this meeting, he was sitting next to the Mayor Johnson the entire time. so he was like ready to uh, advise and consult uh, and all that. Uh, I don't know what else. Yeah. <laughs> Lopez, Alderman Lopez, railed against the fact that they didn't see this. Uh, they, being the council, didn't see um, the 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 uh, lineup of uh, committee members, and the council's rules normally require a measure to be published forty eight hours in advance of consideration by a committee and must be considered by a committee before consideration by the full council. But there's one kind of measure not covered by this rule. That's a resolution determining the membership of chairs, <laughs> memberships of committees or chairs of committees. So Mayor Johnson publicized his committee chair picks you know, on his website weeks in advance. We heard Alderman Lopez object that he saw the actual committee resolution with all the committee member assignments just before the meeting. So they haven't they haven't changed that little bit of um, whatever you want to call it, skullduggery or uh, exception.
2: Uh, yeah, no, this was delightful. I'm glad you pointed out the Jeff thing, Jeffrey Levine. I was like, when I heard that, I was like, is this Gardner's way of acting as though Brandon Johnson is not actually the mayor? Like, I'm thinking, Jeffrey Levine didn't call, him, Brandon Johnson did. Uh, I just thought of that, like, hmm, this is interesting little.
3: Yeah, it might be that you know it's Johnson. Remember, this is Johnson's first meeting, and you know, as mayors get more experienced, they're watching the room, and and, you, and we can watch where we had, where the reporters or the public can watch aldermen like signal to the mayor, and the mayor like give you "I gotcha" sign back, and maybe uh, Levine was helping Johnson do that at this point. All
2: right. Well, a couple of responses. I, uh, essentially in principle, agree with Raylo, uh, that there should be more notice than the 48 hours. I understand the point you just made, Dave, that, uh, uh that it's not against the rules, but it's kind of like, I don't know, a little sneaky stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's how the city of Chicago runs. And then you go, next thing you know, you're slipping in whole, like what comment ed agreements, uh, without any, uh, proper scrutiny so uh it's a slippery slope uh raylo i think i must concede you make a decent point um jim gardner uh you're acknowledging raylo and anthony beal for being brave souls standing up to the mayor at this point as i always must do (laughs) i feel compelled to point out i could have used them jim gardner i could have used raylo and anthony beal back in those rom days when they were reliable rubber stance stampers yes boss whatever you say and anthony beal back in the day Rubber, rubber stamping for Mayor Daly, and every atrocious, lame-brain idea that he came up with, including the parking meters and in the Olympics. So I just want to point that out, Jim Carter, that well, Gardner. Well, Gardner did
3: say, to his credit, that he has a lot to learn.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute. Jim Gardner's going to learn. There was a government before I was elected. <laughs> Alderman, hold it. There was a city of Chicago before 2019. <laughs> I did not know that. You got to spend some time on the folks' website and watch, watch the videos. Gardner, go back. Yeah, there was there was a city of Chicago which had city council meetings back in 2012, nine and eight. Yes, when you weren't paying attention. Uh, and uh, uh, Alderman David Moore, in the 17th ward, you know, he was uh, lamenting the fact that the 17th ward was not listened to. I will remind you of the quote that David Moore gave, uh, I think it was to the Tribunal, uh, to the Tribune after the election. He was upset because David Moore endorsed uh, Paul Vallis uh, and the constituents of his ward, the 17th Ward, voted overwhelmingly for Brandon Johnson. When asked, now David Moore presumably was speaking up on behalf of 17th Ward residents when he said the 17th Ward was not you know, let in on this deal when asked about the 17th Ward voting for Brandon Johnson, as opposed to Paul Ballas, the man he David Moore supported, David Moore said, and I quote, sometimes your children believe that not going to school is best for them. You have to do what is best for your residents. And that's what I did in supporting Paul Ballas, not what was best for David Moore. Like, why would anybody listen to the 17th Ward residents, David Moore? You said they were like little children who don't want to go to school. A stern father, model I am of Alderman. stern father, and voting for this wacko Vallis is what's good for you. Now shut up and eat your vegetables. Anyway, you know, listen, uh, we've talked so much about this. Uh, I'd urge everybody to check out the riff uh, Mick Dumpkey and I did on this. Um, it has so much to say about uh, this. Mick Dumpkey does, Black Club editor, writer. And the reality is this. There is a tradition in the city of council where the city council allows the mayor to dictate who the committee chairs are. uh, And the notion is that it's that's best for the city because there'll be less chaos, less dissent, less democracy. And the mayor will be able to uh, pass whatever uh, or at least bring to vote. Whatever resolutions ordinance he wants us and that's considered good government in the city of Chicago though I would argue that you should never say the words good government and city of Chicago ever in a sentence uh but uh hey if Mayor Rahm got to pick the chairs if Mayor Lori Lightfoot got to pick the chairs if Mayor Daley got to pick the chairs if Harold Washington got to pick the chairs once he took control of the city council and defeated the Ed Burke-led uh white supremacy insurrection and it's only fair that Brandon Johnson gets to pick the chairs as well. So, Dave, you asked me uh, how I would have voted. You didn't really ask me, but let's pretend you did. Ben, how and would you have voted on this? I would have voted for Brandon. Brandon's people, yeah. And then, the, oh, my God, Raylo would rip me. I could just hear Raylo's speech. Well, look at Alderman Ben. Mr. Big
3: <laughs> Only nine people voted against the new committee structure.
2: Sorry, Raylo. I would have been with the other... Let me hold on, Rayla. Let me do the math. Forty-one.
3: That would Correct. Be. Correct, Senator. Please, uh, Chris. Let's do defer next. I'm going to talk about one more item from this meeting, but let's first go back to earlier this year when the city of Chicago received tens of millions of dollars resulting from two lawsuit settlements, one with a pharmaceutical with pharmaceutical companies over their roles in the city's op- opioid crisis and another with an e-cigarette maker for marketing vaping products to minors. In April, the Lightfoot administration proposed an ordinance record SO2023-1605, that would take uh, $51 million from these settlements and use it to help pay for the city's ongoing costs in housing and supporting the many migrants being sent here from Texas. The ordinance passed out of the Budget Committee in April and and was reported for consideration at the May 24 meeting of the full council, the one that we're talking about right now. We'll now hear how that went down. This clip starts with Budget Committee Chair 28th 28th Ward Alderman Jason Irvin. Let's listen.
6: Item number four is a substitute ordinance concerning an amendment to the 2023 Annual Appropriation
3: Ordinance to appropriate opioid and vaping settlement funds, and to appropriate funds to support recently arrived immigrants. If there are, uh, go ahead, ahead, uh, Mr. President, I I would reserve the right to close.
6: Thank you, Chairman. Uh, The chair
0: recognizes Alderman Lopez. Alderman Napolitano and Beal join me in deferring and publishing this item.
6: Who did you, who was the other
0: person? Who was the other older person? Napolitano and Beal for the motion to defer and publish this item.
6: So just to confirm, Alderman Lopez, Alderman Napolitano uh, wish to end Alderman Bill. Are there any other alderpersons? persons? And so, confirm these three alderpersons persons wish to, the matter will be deferred.
3: So, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that it was called for deferral means that it will be delayed till the next regularly scheduled meeting. So, the administration scheduled another meeting for one week later. And we're going to talk about that one. Um, So this is a fairly, as you probably know, Ben, controversial subject. But even though it was coming before the council at this meeting in May 24, there was no controversy. It was just like deferred and bada boom, it was it was gone. We can go on to the controversy if you'd like.
2: Yeah, we'll get to the controversy. I just say briefly, I I like the way uh, Mayor Johnson handled that that defer and publish Uh, we did so many shows uh and they were so enjoyable let's just take a moment to reflect on the enjoyable uh previous city council escapades that we did chronicled where lori lightfoot would be battling beale and, and lopez and whether they had the right to defer and publish and jeffrey levine would be dragged in to render some parliamentary decision and uh and i think the the clip you just played Brandon Johnson said all right we're gonna I got the votes to pass this thing if I have to wait a week I have to wait a week it's not the end of the world uh and um and I think it the matter I actually like discussion and debate this is where Raylo and I at the moment are see eye to eye I say at the moment because I were Remind everybody uh, he's relatively new to this conversion. Uh, but um, I do see eye to eye with Raylo on this. I think more debate is better. More transparency is better for a city like Chicago, which uh, tends to screw things up. Really, really hurts uh, everybody involved when they do it behind door, closed doors. So, Dave, uh, I just want to point out that. Our longtime listeners to this segment, and we go. Wait a minute. Where's the fireworks? Where's Brandon Johnson citing some parliamentary rule that won't lay allow them to do this? Remember when they deferred and published everything and Andre Vasquez and Scotty Waggis were like, "This is outrageous." Remember that one day?
3: Yeah, that was uh, um, Beal. I think it was Alderman Anthony Beal who did not, who got foiled in something that he had been trying to do for a while, and so he kind of had a hissy fit and did a defer on uh, a bunch of introductions by I think oh, everything no what he every- did is what he did is he called a second committee to to the one uh, as an alternative to the one that was being assigned to for consideration and therefore sending it to the rules committee i for see. about I half preferred. half a dozen measures
2: i i just remember it, it was on every item and then lori lightfoot exasperated are you going to do this for every item and then uh remember Andre going, this is so childish. My, <laughs> you know, but uh, anyway, so I just point out that maybe we're Brandon Johnson trying a new approach. let will see how long this one lasts before he he gets just really weary of uh, the tactics. So, the so o- there's game. there's
3: a subtext here that I haven't seen reported, but I, I can give you the scoop now. Okay. <clears throat> In a minute, we're going to you're going to hear about what happened when this item was actually considered. And it it, uh, was a firestorm in the city council chamber. But there wasn't a firestorm in the city council chamber at this moment because apparently many of the people who feel many members of the public who feel strongly about this issue, this giving of fifty one million dollars to the city for migrant relief efforts were not even allowed into the council chamber, which is a uh, fact that many people didn't know till after the meeting at the mayor's press conference. And I don't have audio of this, but um, a reporter asked the mayor at the press conference why there were a whole bunch of people who were not allowed up into the either the second floor chamber or the mezzanine, which is the glassed-off portion, And I'm guessing I didn't see them, but I'm guessing that these were a bunch of the people who at the following meeting were very active and vocal about this issue. They simply were not present. And the mayor confessed that he didn't know that this had occurred and he would make sure that didn't happen again. So that is very interesting. So if we take the mayor at his word, without his knowledge, a bunch of people were not allowed, even allowed into the city council. So take that for what you will.
2: Mm, will do. Right.
3: So uh, Chris, please, we'll do order next. Um, all right, so now we're gonna move on to the meeting that what took place a week later. And then I wanna add that uh, in the Lightfoot administration, more often than not, when this sort of thing happened, they would try to schedule the meeting two days later, because that's the minimum notice required for a city council meeting, 48 hours. But this was a week, week later. So, at the May 31 meeting, we saw huge attendance by the public, many of whom had come to support or oppose the 51 million dollar appropriation for migrant support that had been that had been deferred at the May 24 meeting. The public comment period, near the meeting start, was the most raucous I have seen or heard, and we're going to hear just a bit of it to get an idea of the scene. Um, this. Clip starts with Mayor Johnson. Let's listen.
6: We have now entered the portion of this meeting where we will have public comments. But if I could, I understand that there's a great deal of energy and positions here. My hope is that this opportunity for individuals who wish to speak this morning, that we will respect their ability and their position. It's also important as we move forward, that as individuals wish to signify or have an amen corner. I would ask that you would do it with some level of decorum. I believe that we can have public discourse without demonstrating the worst part of our debates. And so now we will proceed with our public comments. I'm here to support the emergency spending to assist the recent immigrants to our city of Chicago. A number of you sitting here today Maybe immigrants and first generation of immigrant parents who are benefiting from. Who, I didn't say you. I said a number of people, may. Uh, please. Well, please listen up. I so, will respectfully. Hold on a second, uh, brother. So the parent, hold on a second, brother. Hold on. I need you all to respect this brother's position. And when it's your turn to speak, we'll do the same. Okay. All I'm saying is the brother gets an opportunity to talk. We call that democracy. Please continue, sir. Thank you. All right.
0: The right thing to do is to make whole our people in the city of Chicago right here right now.
3: We have to have that school because we'll show up every meeting, every week, every month and we will raise hell and you won't get anything done because we'll be right up front, making sure that you
0: hear us. You hear this brother right here? Look at this, look at this elder. He's got to come raise his voice because he's ignored. Why is that? There
3: he is. Look at all the here. Black power. Black power. Black power. Black power.
0: Brandon, don't make us come for you, Mayor Johnson. Do the right thing.
6: Thank, thank you. We want to make sure that every voice is heard. If you could. Just please allow our public speakers the courtesy to get through their testimonies. Please. Your Honor, there are no further speakers who have timely signed up for the public comment period. Thank you. This concludes our public comments period. Um resolutions, we do not have any commemorative resolutions today. With the sergeant at arms, please restore some level of order in the city council. With the sergeant at arms, Please restore some order. For the sergeant at arms, please restore order in the chamber. Thank you, sergeant at arms, for restoring order. Thank you. Thank you. Next up, we now have communications.
0: Communications from the city clerk. I, city clerk Anna Valencia. Hereby inform the city council that the following documents were filed in my office.
6: Would ask that you would calmly restore order. We want to make sure that we can continue to conduct the business of the people. The City Council, if necessary, will take a breath and stand at ease for the next couple of minutes. City Council will come back to order. City order. City Council will come back to order. The City Council will come back to order, please. Thank you. Thank you. Will the city council members please come back to order?
3: That something you heard was uh, the mayor—the mayor's gavel. was pounding his gavel. Um, he was uh, struggling mightily and uh, not losing his composure, I think, while the uh, audience members and some of the council members were engaged. They were—I don't know if you could tell—like during Anna Valencia's, the city clerk, starting to read. Her voice might have sounded a little stressed because she was talking over people, shouting uh, people in the audience. And that just continued for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, that caused the mayor to call a recess for some time. So uh, the sergeant at arms staff could uh, try to get people to sit down and be quiet. And uh, it wasn't as um, sort of militant as perhaps it might have been in another time where they were just like you know cops coming in and rushing people out it was uh or just trying to calm down excited people so it was an interesting test for the mayor
2: uh dave so i just need a procedural question when you record that are you recording off the um the city's uh yes uh, so it's not your uh mic yeah so
3: we can't hear right okay except except when for example when that one speaker who was shouting black power when she is speaking, she was speaking when her mic is active while she's talking, you could hear the shouting in the background, yeah, but when the mic is not being spoken into, you can't hear yeah. so
2: so this is the point I was making uh, a while back when I was talking about whether there was a standing ovation for Scotty back. and you can't it, 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 there's certain limitations uh to following a city council proceeding on the clerk's website, they blot out pretty much everything that's going on except for the speaker, so what we heard you. If you're listening you don't know why Mayor Johnson is calling for order and calm because you cannot hear it's interesting you cannot hear the uh the noise the ruckus that's very much in his face uh and uh maybe we have to rethink that uh city clerk you know i mean if you really want if you really want an accurate representation of what is going down at a city council meeting uh you might Allow people to hear what's going down. Or you just have to listen to us. (laughs) You know what? Forget that. Never (laughs) mind. Yeah.
3: Just listen to us, okay? Well, that's all I've got. Listeners, Ben and I had a longer discussion, in which we covered more of the May 31 City Council meeting. If you'd like to hear that, please go to the extended version of this interview found at the Inside Chicago Government website, chigov.com go to the Chicago menu and choose city council. Thanks for having me, Ben. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, you're welcome. Outstanding job as always. And uh, i just like to point out that Dave Glowatz will be uh, joining us at first Tuesday tonight at the Nighthawk uh, at uh, roughly, uh, what is that? Kimball and Lawrence to have a discussion. Uh, Maya Dukmasov and I will having this uh, discussion on the future of the CTA. Uh, we'll be recording it and Dave will be doing the recording. So, uh, Anybody who's interested in employing Dave to do their recordings, he does that as well. He's very, uh, very good with with all IT stuff. So Dave will be there. And I'm looking forward to that uh, show tonight. And we'll drop it uh, as a podcast probably in a week or so. All right. I also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job as he always does. And as Dave Glotz will tell you, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.
1: And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more all at chicagoreader.com. And if you want to find more from Dave Gloax, just head on over to shygov.com and find out even more about what's going on in Chicago government.